What is the difference between being punk and being a punk? We are here to talk some punk rock, some music comics. Punk culture, DIY shit, anything we want to talk about. That's that's what fascinates me. Give me everything. Absolutely everything. I find that, that music and comics have always been intertwined. Mux Bound. Chicks okay. dig it. Don't worry. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Muck Spout Podcast, episode 12-ish. 72. 72. Doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, ben is over there with me. And today we're going to be talking about the comic book uh, Drumsticks of Doom with uh, creators John Westoff and Dan Doherty. There they go. Oh, I'm ready. Ah, uh, dude, those covers look fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> We got uh, the amazing. third issue dropped on Kickstarter uh, just a few days ago, and um, we're stoked for it. Um, I want to start out, Dan, uh, John, by saying that um, I I should have had your comic on my top five. I admit it. You should have got the hat trick. <laughs> I sat and read through the, the first issue with the second issue, and I was like, you know what? I fucked up. So. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you addressed that right away because that was obviously people were waiting for. They've seen our online debates. You know, we made three of the Muck Spout hosts top five lists. We couldn't make it on all three. It's been a it's been a battle ever since. It keeps me up every night. So I'm I'm glad that you said that. You know. I was being a dick. My bad. <laughs> nah, it's all right to have diverse lists. You know, don't want to let let my our our heads swell too big. You know. Well, I actually I sent him a parcel with a turd in it in the mail after after he put up his list of comics just out of spite. Yeah, it's, it's been like really ugly around here in the background. So, <laughs> <laughs> but then John did that flattering um, review of my comic, and I was like, "Ah, oh, damn, guys, <laughs> I know how to get revenge." That's great. Well, uh, John, you want to kick it off by telling us a bit about the about the book? Yeah. So you know the main book we're here to talk about. We've got our uh, you know my co-creator yeah, here on Kickstarter right now. That's right. There is, but you know we're here with my co-creator, artist extraordinaire Dan Doherty, and he and I are working on the book Drumsticks of Doom. If you haven't heard about it again, it's on Kickstarter until March eighth. So go. Or, I'm sorry, March tenth. So go ahead, catch up if you're listening to this later. But the basic pitch is this black sabbath not the beatles became the most popular band in the world and thus the universe was changed forever heavy metal rules the earth but our main character lana she just wants to be in an indie rock band and make music and how do you do that when uh the world is dominated by heavy metal that's where of course our story picks up where she finds a magical pair of drumsticks and how does that play into this uh, and that's what it's about so is she saving the world from heavy metal is that the idea well, I wouldn't say that heavy metal itself is a force of evil. I think uh, as, mm -hmm. as hopefully as the story goes on, you can say that anytime something gets too much power, it, it gets out of control. And, and even heavy metal could mm -hmm. be like that. As much as myself and, and my friends growing up, you know, all said, why don't people listen to our bands? And why don't, you know, it's like, well, what would happen if we were on the other side of that? And we were, you know, the most powerful force and we were, you know, played at you know presidential inaugurations and and on popular radio and all that uh would we get you know too full of ourselves and then of course 
when you add in that, you know, of course, all the things your aunts and uncles and grandparents told you would happen with heavy metal did happen. They summoned demons and, you know, magic happened and all that stuff that oh, is intertwined with heavy metal. Again, is it the music that's bad or is it, you know, the people involved in it? That's part of what the story's about. <laughs> I like how Knox I kind of wish we could summon demons with heavy metal. That right. would be a cooler world. <laughs> I liked how that was dropped in the story because it was like, I don't know, two, two thirds, three quarters of the way through the first issue. And it was just like one line where she mentioned that she wished that the gates to hell hadn't been opened like <laughs> by Sabbath. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, well done. Thanks. Unless it was earlier and I totally missed it. No, no, it happened. definitely. And, and right. honestly, it's okay. for people. Um, it, it definitely, uh, when I first pitched the story to Dan, it was a much more down to earth story. And then I kind of was like, well, you know, let's make it like something bigger and more epic. And, you know, I always kind of start there. I always kind of want to do like slice of life type stuff. Yeah. And then I don't know if people will actually read that. So I'm like, oh, we got to throw some werewolves and we got to have some demons and stuff like that. <laughs> so the story kind of grew a little bit bigger. And then so, yeah. But, and I also didn't want to hit people over the head with like, you know, here's an opening, you know, info dump on, on the story either, you know, kind of pepper it in. No, it was well done because I remember reading through it and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like what? What is this universe? And then, then that one sentence dropped in there, and I was like, "Oh, now I get everything." <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, in the you you described Dan as your co-creator. So, um, like, how who was responsible for what aspect of the creation process when it comes to a comic like this? Well, Dan, if you want to take that, I mean, he's one hundred percent responsible for everything. He lets me put my name on it because he feels really bad for me. He was like, you're, you know, you're just sad guy. I see an artist no, all the time begging me to draw a book. <laughs> Dude, pity I'm... will get you very far. <laughs> oh, trust me. Yeah. You really are trying to kill his kindness here. Um, no, the only thing I'm responsible for is requesting more demon werewolf fights. I, I was like, <laughs> give me another page or two of this because I really want to like spread out with uh, with this little fight scene that happens in issue one. Um, That's cool. uh, no, I mean. What I think the only thing I think maybe that I would lend to the initial like impetus of it is that we both have like an affinity for music. So I think John, John and I have already kind of technically like worked on something together. We had a uh, John had a very cool series called Banthology back uh, uh, a while ago. It was like maybe 1971. 1971, I was uh, negative nine years old, right? <laughs> Reading while you're sitting in the trenches and numb. Yeah. 2014, I think, was the first issue. I feel yeah, like. Yeah. And, and I really love that series, uh, and I contributed twice to it. Um, and uh, I think our mutual affinity for playing music and um, and that, you know, like almost in, like in your intro, like how it, it, it's talking about how, you know, those don't have to be mutually exclusive comics and music. Um, yeah. I've had, you know, stuff in my comics that was musical and I've had, um, you know, definitely a lot of references to rock history, music history, all that kind of stuff. So like, I think maybe that is something that John thought of when he thought to talk to me about it, because I know For that sure. you know, we share that, but really like he came with a lot of it, you know, in his head that I just, all I had to do was visually realize it. Like I, I wouldn't say that um, the concepts weren't there or that I added something crazy to them. I, all I've done is gone like, again, like what if we dialed this to 11 or like, what if this, what, you know, every now and then when it, when I get a chance to, like I, I try to just sneak those moments in, but 
he's he's turning in these scripts that are just really fun to draw and i'm just having a really fun time drawing them yeah and we de i definitely do work in full script but dan is right he i mean he's a working musician like you've been so he i wanted to bring in somebody you know with that background who could draw guitars mm -hmm. and, and tech and stuff uh, and just understands you know that uh so what dan you know brings is really for those there watching you go. <laughs> um you know like i would i will write in the script because i i don't I, I try not to you know overdo it with the artist i'm not sitting over their shoulder watching so i said dan he, they approach a music shop where they work i didn't say draw this sweet logo on the front with this demon head you know like <laughs> he makes up the names of the the shops and and, and even the drumsticks you know in the, in the very first page and so he adds a lot to it and, and it, that helps me expand the story now we revisited the shop because it was such a cool scene. I was like, oh, we got to go back, you know, and then he drew the character, you know, who owns the shop and made them so cool that I'm like, oh, they got, you know, now they're playing a bigger part. They, they're a bigger part of the series. So he doesn't even realize how much, you know, yeah. when uh, when I see these pages, it, it, it makes me go back and rewrite and add and, and move stuff around. It, it, it's already expanded so much of the story, which started with, I think, a seven page pitch to Dan. And I had I had ideas, a rough outline for, you know, eight or nine issues. And it's changed so much already just collaborating with it, which I love about comics. I think you should leave space for that. Uh, that's the best part of comics. You know, it's not a, a movie where you have to have every scene nailed down. Right. Uh, we, we can play around on the page and issue to issue. That's similar to music. Uh, that's, you know, like talking about the parallels, man. Like, you know, when I was a little kid, like the trade culture when you're a kid, right? Like, because you can't afford to buy all the things that you want. So other kids in your neighborhood they have shit that you want and you got shit they want and so you start trading two things that we used to do comics and cds <laughs> and like it was always going in the same hands you know so like it's part of the same culture and then when you're creating that stuff you know the dynamic between artist and right and and writer is very similar to the dynamic between like rhythm section and and uh and you know the the melody section you could call it um, where they each kind of provide a separate kind of force that's necessary for the whole thing to work. And uh, you have to play off each other and they improve on each other and that kind of shit. Yeah. Um, I agree with that 100%. Like, I think that helps with creation, having that music background, because you know that it takes the team. You're not like, I'm the singer, I'm this. I'm a musician who can play five instruments. I don't need anyone else. Like, I've always been in a collaborative band, you know. Uh, right. So. Maybe it does. You will get that from writers too sometimes where they will write a script so tight that the artist has no input, doesn't have the ability to really even call themselves much of a co creator. They're just not just an illustrator. I'm an artist too. I, <laughs> but, no. I write and, and illustrate, and I, I, I appreciate both jobs. And I feel like it's yeah. fun to say that I'm both because, like, when, when you get to like take a, you know, take a step and just focus more on the illustration stuff. It doesn't mean that I'm not still trying to be a storyteller. You know, I'm not like what I, I don't think I fully realize sometimes how much John is uh, manipulating his scripts based on what has been turned in. <laughs> but, but I do, I will say that I always think about like, how can I add another layer to his stuff that isn't interfering with what he wrote, you know, mm. just adding, it's just, you know, you're being a, you're, you're being a, a complimentary player. Like, like, yep. in a band. I mean, I had yep. rehearsal earlier today and we, I don't want my opinion to be the only one in the room because I'm sick of mine. I've thought of mine so much that I'm just right. like, I've, I'm definitely done with my opinion. Give me someone else's. I'd love to hear it. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, like that's 
that's the favorite that's the best thing about doing co-creation of any kind whether it's music comics whatever it is is like when someone goes yeah i decided to add this little thing here you're like we should we should do something with that yeah mm -hmm. like that shouldn't be just a panel there we should turn that into something cool and you do that with music too where someone plays a little thing and you're like that should be part of the solo you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah i love the way that it just kind of naturally develops so how did this start uh in your head like what was the like the catalyst of the the, the whole concept yeah you said that you started out like much smaller and built up big. Yeah. Like what was the small picture the 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 very small seed of the idea was is it was basically at a time where i was transitioning away from making music which i had done since i was you know 14 years old and you know early 30s and family and it just wasn't really in the cards anymore and i was starting creating comics and that was becoming my creative outlet and i kind of just had this idea of what does that look like you know uh similar to like kevin smith movies where he writes you know where he's at you know at that stage in his life and, and and that was the story it was really about somebody's journey through music and sometimes you know dan was a, again a big inspiration he's heard me say this before he did a, a a short story called the beast in me for banthology one which everyone should pick up i'll send you a digital copy it's been long out of print yeah. And it's about when you get that feeling of playing live on stage and he just captured that, that thing that only someone who's played music knows and how, if you don't get back there, how that feels. And, and, and that was me. I never got to that stage and it was kind of like, am I okay with that? You know, if, if, if I never play music again and I never really had this lust to go on like world tours or anything like that, but it really was that, you know, again, they say, write what you know. And I was like, well, this is what I know. You know, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to, really see my friends and my band make it uh for each other and it just it just never happened for a million reasons for a lot of us but i'm still happy with you know where it brought me as a person and all the hours i put in so that was where the seed started that feeling of uh you know am i ready to move on from this and then mm. again i didn't i didn't know if i'm not jaime hernandez i i, I don't think people are going to read my emo you know sad sack stories about <laughs> i didn't make it as a as a drummer so I was like, ah, again, I was like, yeah, you got to throw some werewolves in there and make people excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised, man. I've read some real good slice of life stuff that, uh, and I have too. And I, I love know. that stuff. I love that. Yeah. Stuff, but, yeah. But yeah, I was just like, you know what, taste. let's make it. And then I was like, I was listening to man of war one day and I was like, man, what if these lyrics were like real? Like what if we really lived that shit? And I was like, Oh, these, these stories are the same. Put them together. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So you were a drummer. Yeah, yeah, I still have the drums in the in the other room here, trying to get the kids to to do them up. But yeah, I did play some nice. drums with a uh, good friend Don Cardenas on the intro uh, video for the Kickstarter. Dusted them Very off, cool. and I was like out of wind after like two takes. I was like, <laughs> oh man, it's been a minute. <laughs> so, as a fellow drummer, why the sticks? Why not a kit or a particular drum? Well, hmm. again, because I have I, I can't remember why, but. There's a very short instrumental song by Manowar called Drums of Doom. And mm -hmm. I was like, what if it was Drumsticks of Doom? And then I was like, what if the drumstick was like a magic wand? And I was like, yes, that's it. That's the story. And again, then mashed nice. it up with this sad story that I had. <laughs> I mean, I, I like it because it's, it's, I mean, it's portable. You can walk around with it. Right. I mean, the yeah. drummer's lament is always, you know, when they got a load. I was just gonna out. say, <laughs> it's always no on magic. I just need a roadie for my magic. Uh, I mean, maybe we'll do a sequel like Kick Drum of Doom, and the guy's like totally pissed off. He's like, "Why do I play a double <laughs> kick? Why did I bring my double pedal?" <laughs> <laughs> my band don't help me out. We always have a policy in the band, like 
you know, like GI Joe, we all go home or no one goes home. It's like you, you, you grab a, a, a bag, like a, a drum bag and you, you walk to that van because that poor bastard's got to lug this whole kit. All I got is like an amp and maybe two guitars. <laughs> You're a good band. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, <laughs> that's, I, as a drummer, that's how you find a good band is you find guys that will help you load out when you're done. I'll tell you, and man, like, you know, that reflects in the music, man. There's no denying it. My, my I got to look my own kit. Mm-mm, we ain't friends. Yeah. <laughs> my drummer has been around for five years. And I like to think part of it is because we help him out. <laughs> right, it's know? at least part. It's got to be a little a percentage, at least, of the factor. And and I tried to help him out over the year too. I started with the eight piece, you know, ridiculous heavy metal set, and then pared it down to the four piece, you know, by the end. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm acknowledging that I was a little obnoxious there for a while. <laughs> That's funny. So Dan, you play music as well. Are you uh, in a band? Yeah, uh, I play in a four piece band uh, under my name um, because I'm really tired of band names. I've been through enough of them, and sure. uh, we do original. Uh, like more like rock or singer songwriter kind of music, but yeah, cool. definitely like more up tempo, upbeat. Um, I I I really like writing songs. Like it's, it's always been my favorite part about music is like the songwriting process. And um, and in this area, there's a uh, just a stupid amount of great talented musicians that are all cool and you know do it because they love it. And um, I've been really lucky to not only be a part of the community, but to have like the guys that I play with and, um, and that we, you know, we make a real effort on it because we're all, you know, three out of the four of us are parents and, and in relationships and stuff. And it's, it's hard to do all this stuff when you're, I'm 42, you know, it's like, it's not easy to continue to do this unless you really want to do it. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I'm honestly like, I always treat every practice like it's its last cause you never know. Like it's, <laughs> It's, you know, one guy has a, you know, I got to go work some other job now. And all of a sudden you're like, well, what do we do now? You know, so. Well, how long has your band been together? Um, this current incarnation since about 20, uh, I think like 2018, 2019, maybe like that. Something like that. And, and my bass, time. yeah, my bass player and I were, we've been best friends for a long time. We've been playing since 2009 together. So he and oh, I. Wow. Yeah, like we've never not any band I've played in over that time. He's always been with me. It's like non-negotiable. I'm like Anthony and I are like this. So that's the one thing I will say. Like if anything else happened, I know that you know, like the, the, every guy in the band really loves to be there. But Anthony and I seem to be like impossible to extricate from each other. <laughs> um, I got a ride or die uh, bass player too. Actually, um, uh, his name's Matt. Went to high school with him. Uh, Charlie's brother, Eric knows oh. Charlie. Uh, yeah. yeah, so yeah, he and I've been playing. We we've known each other since we were fourteen. We used to jam together for years when he played guitar and refused to touch a bass guitar, and now he plays bass like kind of exclusively. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like even if we're not in a band together, like every two three months, we're like, you want to jam? Like, yeah, we got to do it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. that that was most of my bands too. It was all you know, high school buddies, and you know, that's music to me. That's how you you know. You have those those memories with uh with your rider dies, you know. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, but really the reason I'm glad you mentioned the being sick of band names, Dan, because I wanted to talk to you guys about that today. Dan and I are in a band right now. This is our band, all right. Yeah. Should comic 
should it, it, you know we get into these debates about should the letterer be on the cover and all these should we just have band names on comics that's what i wanted to ask you guys that you know actually we, i don't should we be the dan doherty and the destroyers present you know <laughs> from six of doom like that's too, many, that's too many d's but you get what i'm saying yeah <laughs> i'm personally not too into like having lists of creators on covers anyways i like the covers to kind of speak for the story and then there's a credits page right on the other side you know so i mean it maybe it's different actually... if i was having like you know if i was putting out huge bucks for Jimmy <laughs> or somebody like but well that's general... easy if you say you're the only one in the thing you don't need a band name you're just you know you're muck spout you're eric <laughs> yeah. no i mean you did have co-creator yeah i had some people <laughs> i had a couple stories penciled by the people but right yeah um like, but then again i say that but i think my name was on the cover so oops <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fucking brilliant, dude. Um, yeah, like uh, I, you know, I'm a drummer, so I kind of accepted that, like, it's gonna, it's never gonna be Ben Cook and the everybody else's, like, <laughs> no way in hell. Um, they're they're coming to see the band, and I just happen to be at the back, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I feel yeah, you. you know, I feel you. <laughs> I, but you know, writing a comic is a totally different experience. Like, I'm kind of front and center for that, so that makes me a little uncomfortable. Having uh, having a band name so I can defer responsibility is kind of great. And then if it sucks, I can be like, well, there's all these people over here. Like, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not in that band anymore, you know. <laughs> in my experience, when a book sucks, you just blame the editor. Yeah. Not me personally, yeah. but I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, it's a great idea. Well, I mean, shit, I'm the editor too, Dan. The, like, the harder to the Elvis of the group, is it just like you can all lump on the problems when it's colonel parker's problem but when it's successful it's elvis yep yep exactly yeah, i mean i like that. or the sound guy you can blame the sound guy <laughs> how many people will we have in this band at this point this is getting out of here. <laughs> this is why, that's this why is we need the band name. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's funny so yep. uh drumsticks of doom is uh number three is now in on kickstarter but it's not just that right it is not. I mean, I do appreciate you mentioned that. I don't want to feel like uh, our other books from part-time comics are, are taking a backseat, but uh, yeah, Depowered is our, our other miniseries that's uh, now on to issue two. So we, you know, it's kind of cool to have two uh, miniseries in, in uh, full swing at this point. Uh, started back making comics in 2019-ish, you know, right before bad things happened and wasn't sure where things would go. And Dan and I had talked about, you know, working on this project and it, 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 we tried to pitch it and it took a while. So now Depowered was the same thing. Now they're both in full swing, but that's basically a group of superheroes 20 years ago got powers. They lost them 10 years ago. And like us at comic conventions, now they go around, you know, kind of selling their life stories or prints of themselves and things like that. Just kind of trying to, to make their way post post powers. What would that look like on, in a real world? Um, and it, it, it stars Dax, who's, you know, the lowest of the low. He didn't have the greatest powers when he was a superhero and he kind of resented that. And now he's kind of become a bitter old man uh, at these uh, these superhero conventions, uh, selling his tell-all book, uh, which rubs a lot of the superheroes the wrong way, or the ex-superheroes. I love that idea. Cool. I love that they're just there's like a B list of people that used to have powers, and now mm -hmm. they're just like, you know, standing outside the Oscars, going, "I could have won that." <laughs> no one watched my movie, but I could have won that. <laughs> exactly, that's and that's really what it's about. Like Dex never seeing that he got a gift and it was taken away and, and appreciating that it's he's just kind of a bitter asshole drunk yeah is there like a like a hopeful note to uh to drive the story forward or is it just kind of just a hate piece 
<laughs> no, no, no. I definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, issue two is kind of the low point for him. And then, of course, you know, yeah. we, we got to have a, again, he's not, he was kind of a semi superhero before and he's got to have some sort of a redemption arc. Right. But, uh, sure. it's only a three issue series, so I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, it definitely, sure. you know, he does run into the a listers and kind of says, you know what, you were a dick back then. So let's, uh, you know, let's have it out now, you know, hmm. <laughs> how about uh, drumsticks? Good. How many issues is drumsticks? So right now it's planned to be a four issue arc. It was originally three. And again, uh, credit to Dan, you know, we had, uh, he agreed to, to spread it out a little bit we needed more room in the story after those first two uh so it's going to be a four issue first arc and then we'll see where it goes we i have it semi-plotted out through three arcs of about nine to ten issues uh so kind of a maxi series not wanting to hold dan hostage too long and also not wanting to uh press my luck too long you know how it goes in indie comics you don't want to do anything too long and then you don't get to see the end so this this arc has a definitive end but if if it continues to do well as it has through two issues now there's definitely more story to be told in this universe. Very yeah, cool. so arc feels just sort of like a—I wouldn't say just like a getting to know you, but you're just introducing so many cool characters and, and elements, and there's a lot of questions that are asked that I'm sure some will be answered. But you know, like most, like most stuff these days, it's like you know, you you don't want to just cram everything into three issues and, and be like, well, here's all the things that happened, but with no flair or, or um, storytelling knack at all. So I, I that, and that's exactly what I did. Several <laughs> ago. I was like, I'm never going to finish this fucking series. I've had it in my head for seven years. I just got to do it. And that's why there was like a ton in that first issue. And that was okay. I think, you know, I kind of tried to wanted to tell a, a full story there just to see where it went. And then this four issue arc will be similar. It, it will tell a, a satisfying story. I hope. Uh, but yes, there's definitely lots of seeds. Because uh, yeah, I want to I want to tell more stories and uh, yeah, I want to do the ten issues. I mean, <laughs> everyone listening, just just keep us going. <laughs> Timothy Fling says, "Welcome, Tim." To do. Yeah. Hey, Thanks Tim. for joining us. <laughs> Tim, also a fellow musician. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Uh, I'm always yeah. the only music, the only non-musician around. Uh, you're music adjacent. You're a musician. But yeah, you you might as well be a musician. I mean, come on. That's why I do what I do because I wanted to get involved in music. And I'm barely. I mean, yeah. I'm not just being, you know, self-deprecating. I even after you know 15, 20 years of playing, I'm definitely not on the level of, you know, Ben or some of these other awesome drummers that I meet. But uh, I, I'm serviceable. <laughs> well, I you know drum drums is a complicated. It's a tough gig, man. Like you you have to have thick ass skin to be. Uh, a drummer because um, it's the it's one of the instruments that people don't understand very well. Yeah, that's how I feel about comic art. Like when I write <laughs> a script lettering. and then someone hands me a page, I'm like, I don't know how you did that, but it's perfect. <laughs> um, a lot of people treat kind of drums that way in a band where it's it's absolutely essential, but no, unless you learn how to play the drums or you have an appreciation for that aspect of things, it. It's a little, um, it's like another language. Yeah. And, uh, and then it, there tend to be a lot of crazy drummers. Like <laughs> we get pigeonholed, you know, I don't, you know, there's a million drummer jokes. Mm -hmm. uh, not for no reason. My favorite is, uh, what do you call a drummer who just broke up with his girlfriend? Homeless. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of true. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, 
we tend to attract some erratic personalities and uh there tend to be a fair amount of revolving doors going on with drummers but the drummers that are good are constantly busy mm -hmm. and it's you know it's a hypercritical kind of business Keeping well for me you know I, I i have you know two natural siblings one adopted sibling three step siblings i grew up in a house with nine you know other people Wow. I thankfully had amazing parents who would let us play and, and practice there. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that was a challenge of it, too, you know, finding the time. And then, for sure, you know, you move out and you're in a townhouse and, you don't, you know, the neighbors don't want you playing. You know, there's 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 all kinds yeah. of challenges now. You know, it's better. There's a lot of cool electronic stuff. And, you know, mm -hmm. never practiced enough. Never. But, you know, again, for me, it was more of a social connection with my friends. And, and I felt like, yeah. you know, I did. You know, my wife says, you know, there's millions of people who can't even play drums and you're so hard on yourself about it. But, you know, I definitely. I definitely could have uh, worked a little harder because definitely the other guys in the band were way ahead of me. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that they let me tag along. <laughs> well, it's such yeah, a, I think it's a physical instrument too. I mean, not to say that other instruments aren't, but I feel like it's using so much more of your body than like when I play guitar, I just have to worry about are my hands you know, <laughs> dexterous enough and it, it, is everything feeling okay up here? But like, it, it's, you know, it, it doesn't demand as much, um, from your total body is like drums does. It's just, we have a drummer coming on our show next week that um, I've known for a long time, but he like literally has to get on stage and like take off his pants and sit in his boxers because it's so hot and he sweats yeah. so much. Very yet, Like, yeah, <laughs> dude, in my last, my, my last rehearsal space uh, a year and a half ish ago, um, we turned it into a studio uh, so that we could bring other bands in and record them and stuff. But because we were doing that, we wanted to treat the walls and like kind of give it a look that would kind of, you know, present well with cameras. So we covered it with all this like silvery uh, fabric that a buddy of mine ended up uh, uh, receiving. And uh, it's like space age insulation. And so the room was just it, it was like five degrees hotter than everywhere else in the building. Oh, and. It was like playing drums in a sauna. Oh God! But wow. dude, like, this is this is the reason why I know drums is for me. Because like, I would I would finish like twenty minutes of playing in this environment, and I'd just be like, "Whoa, yeah, let's go outside and cool off, and let's come back and do it again." Like, I'm crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, me. we, I've been in studios before where where it was like sort of a smaller space, and they had an issue where like when they would go to record they'd have to turn off the air because they didn't want to hear it in the, the you know, oh yeah recording and so we would try to do these sessions during the colder months you know because we were gonna heat up the room with our own bodies but like there was we did like a decent amount of this one album in the summer and the poor drummer was just like you know at one point he was wearing like one of those like yeah, um, like the workout t-shirts, like just like the thinnest ones or just like straps here and then just like mm -hmm. a shirt at the bottom and was just like drenched in sweat and and um, I felt so bad for him. But, you know, it worked. Got the take. I'm glad you, you bet. I'm going to add that to the book, too, because I'm always looking for those little like music stories. I was telling you about that people wouldn't understand if they haven't done music. Yeah. And yeah, I remember practicing in practice spaces without, you know, uh, air conditioning and yeah recording yeah when you can't have the, 
the, the sound blowing in the background. Yeah, that's funny. yeah. <laughs> I have that. I yeah. do a video production for a living, and so like when we set up and we get a mic'd up and everything, like I have to kill the AC at my studio at uh, at work. And uh, yeah. so usually I'll run the AC like on the highest for a while beforehand. <laughs> get it nice and cold. Yeah. I'll get a refrigerator for a while and then. <laughs> nice. That's smart. So I'm yeah, all we had out. all we had in that rehearsal space was just a little fan like about this big that right behind me that blew on the back of my head. So there's this one cool spot on the back of my head and everything. I was like, <laughs> that's what I always had yeah. for playing live too. Like this little six inch, like it was like saved my life. I think I still have it in the crawl space here. It's like you know, <laughs> the fan that saved my life all these years. <laughs> yeah. So Dan, I'm guessing uh, heavy metal got you into being not Dan, John. Heavy metal, Dan. What was your uh, music? Uh, influence <laughs> mine actually probably would be more like the Beatles uh, my my uh, household growing up my mom was, is still a huge Beatles fan like just massive knows everything almost to the point of like okay mom take it easy like she <laughs> when she learned that there was this like thing where you could put like a Google notification when any of the you know anything like search words that you you typed in would yield a result. She literally typed in like every Beatle and their children and Yoko and George Martin and everybody just in case some crazy story. And her phone would just be like, you have 10,000 messages. Like, so that's the level we're dealing with when it comes to Beatles. Has she been out to the um, Hall of Fame's uh, Beatles exhibit that's going on this year? Um. No, is it is it local? Is it no? Nearby? It's uh, it's Cleveland, the, Cleveland, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, no, she's been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame though, and she saw what they did have at the time. Yeah, they have they, they have like a permanent Beatles exhibit that's great, but they have a yeah. get back exhibit right now. They just extended it through the end of the year, but it's pretty cool. Like, there's I don't even know how to explain some of it. Like, it's a really cool experience. Sure, I think I, I mean, heard. I think I just heard your mom order a ninja suit on Amazon so she can sneak in the back. <laughs> steal a bunch of stuff that's accurate yeah um she she I, I felt very like proud of myself that i got to tell her that get back that the the show was you know coming on to disney plus i'm like do you have disney plus no well let me help you with this and i'm like I have <laughs> she was like oh my god and you're telling me it's eight hours and then i didn't hear from her for eight hours <laughs> she was watching the deals. so uh yeah, like that, like David Bowie. Like I'm a big like '60s and '70s rock guy, and and then like I grew up in the '90s, so I think Alternative was a big, you know, like at the same time I was first buying music, it was like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and all that. So right, definitely was another informative period of time for me. The Crow soundtrack though, that was my first CD I ever bought, so I was a little damn. Yeah, that's a good one. My wow. first CD was Ace of Base. Nice. And we're the so same age. <laughs> we're the same age. <laughs> I didn't realize I was the, the heavier one of the two of us. <laughs> well, you started out better. Yeah. I think my second was Pro Jams 10, and then I got an Nirvana, and they were the gateway, you know. If yeah. I could remember my first CD, I would probably lie about it, to be honest. I probably should lie about it. I don't know why I tell people. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid an I saw the sign joke. So, um, so what was it about the Beatles and uh, and Bowie that kind of like gripped you? Um, well, I mean, just just the raw songwriting of it. I mean, you know, you can 
I think what's cool about those guys is that if you, you know, if you stripped it down or you had somebody else play it or whatever, you still recognize the songs. Whereas a lot of times, you know, I think even with a lot of things that are a lot more like genre based, like you're, you know, like with punk and metal and like, like to me, like a good metal band and a good punk band is a lot like the Beatles and, or a lot like David Bowie in that, like, there's something in there that is like universal. And if you can, if you had anyone else play it, as long as it's still in there, it's still the song, you know, like mm, to me, like right. bad versions of those genres are the ones where you're like, this could be one of 30 songs. You know what I mean? Like I can't yeah. even tell really. So the, the uniqueness of those guys. And then I just really like how um, innovative they were. Like I always, I like the mm -hmm. history music. I like a lot of like hearing about, eras that you know we didn't um didn't live in and and try to figure out why something was so immensely popular or or revolutionary and and when you get that context and you're just like oh wow like, they were the first to do this they were the first you know like lennon's plugging directly into the soundboard to get some try to blow the the the, the mix out with revolution or like you know bowie's doing all these strange I mean, he, I found out like Bowie was actually part of like one of those like songwriting houses that were just like churning out songs. And that's how he got his chops. And then he went and did his stuff. But you know, right. he still was like trying to sell songs that ended up being Bowie songs to famous people. Like um, Life on Mars, I think, was supposed to be a Frank Sinatra song. And Frank Sinatra's like, are you kidding? No, this is insane. And then he tried to sell uh, Golden Years to Elvis. And Elvis was like, no, but those it became huge hits for him, like because he, he just knew how to, you know, he, he knew he had a good song on his hands. He just was like, all right, I'll do it myself then, you know. I'm sure you right. saw uh, Moon Age Daydream then, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw it in the IMAX. I was like, yeah, I'm, me too. That was I'm great. Not on this. Oh, it was, it was awesome. It was. It blew me away, though, because I had never think about him being like contemporary to like the Beatles and all that. Like, yeah, I, I like I know it, I guess, but I don't ever think about that because he's. He was so big, like in my childhood and stuff, and it was not the Beatles. Like he's only yeah. like a few years difference in age from like John Lennon and stuff. Like yeah, right, right. It's a, you know, it, yeah. Like Dan said, he was doing a different path in music, so he didn't. And he had didn't he have like a million albums before he had a hit too? So yeah, yeah. Such a, that stuff yeah. fascinates me too. How the, the people's course. He he uh, really yeah. he. I, I sometimes people like to say like I'm not a David Bowie fan, and I go well, if you like ten songs by an act, you probably like them. You just don't realize it. And then I started listing off his catalog. And by the end of it, they're like, oh, yeah, I am a David Bowie fan. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and to one last point, like, um, uh, I had to tell my my friends this because we're actually going to do a cover set of David Bowie in, uh, in April. And I was like, did you know that Fame was co-written by John Lennon with, with Bowie? Yeah. So, like, I was oh, like, wow. yeah, I, I, I busted up the liner. I was like, look, his name's right on there. And I think he does the the descending. Bang, 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 bang. I think that's John Lennon. I'm not sure about that. Don't quote me. When are you? Where are you doing that set? Uh, April 29th at Chicago Street Pub. It's we're we're calling it a halfway to Halloween show. So like these, it's like there's a that that place is known for original music, but every now and then like these bands that are original bands will do like a special night of like where they become a band. So we actually do I love one. stuff like that, man. Oh, me too. We did like one last uh, last uh, we were the Red Hot Chili Peppers last Halloween, and then people loved it. So we were like, "Okay, let's do something else." And like David Bowie, that'd be fun. Don't leave out the best part. 
you literally were the Red Hot Chili. He was a shirtless Anthony oh, yeah, Peter yeah. running through the crowd, <laughs> living his, his uh, big... youthful days. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That Terrible drawn fake tattoos on me. It was great. Did you guys just all wear socks? Is that the deal? But I did like I ruined a pair of shorts that I had because I he's he's currently touring where he's got like a lightning bolt spray painted on basically where his junk is. <laughs> and so I I grabbed a pair of very good uh black shorts that I had and I screwed it up the first time trying to paint it, then had Aww. to cut some pants that were black pants and then correctly did it so i ruined two pairs of two shorts, two shorts of pants to get the right effect but we really were all in we were in for dedication yeah wow i'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to try to awesome. check that out at the end of april it's very so fun. when you guys uh when you guys do your bowie covers were you all gonna dress like different versions of david bowie from the years that's exactly what we're gonna do oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's amazing yeah. dan gets to be ziggy stardust yeah i'm doing oh, the dude the powder blue suit with the red hair and the makeup and all that. That's the one I think I want to do, but nice. You guys yeah. ever watched the show flight of the Concords? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> the David Bowie episode is probably my favorite episode of the entire show. It's the first, that's the only one. It's well, not the only one, but it's the one I remember the first and the fondest. Yes. <laughs> right. It's so yeah. <laughs> I saw them live. They were amazing. Oh, I missed them too, man. I love that yeah. show, and I listen to that, I listen to that soundtrack probably as much as I do any other music. Yeah, they're they're two the two uh, seasons like so good. <laughs> That's really great. Have you ever seen the the Ricky Gervais extras clip with David Bowie? No. Yeah. No. Oh, that oh. was so hilarious. It's so funny. David Bowie was very funny. Like yeah, if yeah. You, I if you know what I'm talking sorry, about. Man. Have you seen that one, Ben? I I have not personally, but uh, but I have seen him in in comedy stuff. I think he did an episode of Curb as well. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think he's just like hilarious. Every time I've seen him, oh yeah, he did Zoolander as well. He was great yeah. in Zoolander. Oh. Remember, he was the judge for the walk off. Walk off, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was amazing, and he uh, yeah. yeah. If you get a chance, look up uh, uh, David Bowie um ricky gervais extras and he improvises a song that makes fun of ricky gervais and it's hilarious he's like right I, there like he, he's just yeah. yeah he's just playing this song like while he's trying to have his scene and it's yeah <laughs> that's awesome about, about being like a fat little sad man and stuff yeah he's like he's like <laughs> man blows his <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, no, that's not quite good enough. Uh, he kills his stupid head off. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Imagine being Ricky Gervais that night, though, when you go home for dinner and you're just like, David Bowie wrote an insult song about me. Oh, like, <laughs> it doesn't get that, better than that. It should be yeah, at the top of the resume. I mean, yeah. above oh, the office sure. and everything else, it should be, I got made fun of by David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> So, John, what was your uh, your major influences other than Ace of Base? <laughs> well, definitely Ace of Base, then Ace of Base. Um, Spice of Girls. No, I didn't get that. Okay, that's a joke. Okay, I'll, I'll own Ace of Base. Um, no, we no, are but... we are open and inclusive here at on the Muxbet Podcast. You can Thank like you. whatever you like. We will make fun of you privately. Yes, I bought a Paula Abdul CD way more recently than oh. I to admit. So, wow. <laughs> I was listening to Laura Laura Brannigan's Gloria earlier on the way to get pizza. I, I like you know a lot of pop music and stuff, but my my yeah. gateway really was 
you know, the grunge era. You know, Nirvana was like my first band and, and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, uh, Alice in Chains, all those those bands. But really, it was Nirvana. And then it was I had thankfully I have an older brother. He's a huge influence on me. He finds music long before me. I had some really close friends who were big into metal and they had older brothers into Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath and, and Metallica and Megadeth. And really my gateway to heavy metal was Megadeth. Really. I had some buddies who were really into them. Yeah. You know, I think youth, uh, euthanasia had just come out and countdown to extinction, mm. you know, a couple years before, and they were really my, of the big four, they brought me into to metal. And then it was, you know, you know, Pantera and, you know, all the other bands around that era. And then really, I, I, for a lot of years, I, I went off into the kind of the, the death metal, you know, Deicide and Cannibal Corpse and stuff like that. And just, you know, really being real edgelord in high school and look at me, I, I wear mm-hmm. these shirts with, you know, eviscerated women on them and stuff. And then, you know, after high school, you know, found the new new metal and hardcore and stuff like that. Uh, that was kind of my journey through metal. <laughs> cool. So um, in terms of uh, like, do you still listen to that stuff or have you moved on to other things? No. And, and that's part of what's in the book too, is kind of uh, accepting that you don't have to be like all in on one thing. Like, like again, yeah. if, if I was, you know, man of war was real and we all had to be brothers of metal, you know, that's all we would listen to. Right. But for me, I, I've been really into, you know, um, a lot of singer songwriters. I've always been, my two favorite bands of all time are Primus and the Talking Heads. So I feel like I've always kind of, you know, liked weird music and I love bands like that. But, you know, nowadays I, I, I'm more likely to listen to like St. Vincent and uh, Dan actually, as we started the book, introduced me. We, he and I are seeing uh, the amazing, talented Weissblood uh, yeah. and her band, uh, Natalie Marine's band. And I love, you know, female vocalists and female led bands. I, I, that's been a, a big part of my late 30s and early 40s. Uh, so Dan and I are actually going to see our first concert together. Uh, there she very is. cool but yeah I, I i tend to listen to more stuff like that angel olsen is a big uh i'm a big fan of um yeah I, I, I'm, um, I'm in my soft emo phase you know <laughs> yeah there's an artist uh that kind of straddles both uh the heavy and the singer songwriter kind of folk music influence uh, in a really powerful way i'm like obsessed with her right now i i i have add so i get fixated and then i go on deep dives and then i like I don't come up for air for like six months. So right now I'm like obsessed with Emma Ruth Rundle. Rundle? I don't know if you know who that is. I, I've heard the name, but I haven't, I haven't dived into her catalog. So um, she has a bunch of solo stuff. She also has a project called Marriages, which is really cool. And it's kind of like in that sort of metal, but with uh, something to say kind of space. Um, and then she came up in a, in a largely instrumental band. I believe it's Pelican that she was in and pelican oh, are really cool nice. if you're into instrumental music they're really cool i'm Old looking her up right now i'm saying emma ruth rundle rundle yeah, that's her r-u-n-d-l-e i'm gonna check it out but her her solo stuff i love it to death like i have a i guess i don't i wouldn't even call it a guilty pleasure because i'm kind of proud of it but like i have a thing for female folk music and soft like emotional like fiona apple Oh. I love her to death, uh, the early stuff. And uh, there's, um, you guys know Metric? Yeah. Yes. So Metric is like a, like a dance pop kind of rock band, but they have a, a bit of a sarcastic, cynical edge to them. So they're like kind of making fun of the, the fame and fortune kind of stuff a lot of times and talking about the pitfalls of it. Anyway, they're from Toronto. Uh, they're they're uh, quite successful, like North America wise. 
um, the lead singer, Emily Haynes, has her own solo project called Emily Haynes and the Soft Skeleton. And it's just the first album is just her and a piano. And that's about it. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I, like one of my favorite albums of all time. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for the recommendations. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, part of this is also going into the book, too, is like realizing in my late 20s that you don't have to be the metal guy. You don't have to have guilty pleasures. Right. You don't have to anything. You can like anything, right. especially in music. Music is the best thing human beings can do. Why not enjoy as much of it as you can? Uh, certainly yeah. there's some kinds that I don't get into, but I try not to. You know, like you said, Ben, we'll joke with each other, but I try not to shame people about music because, yeah, music is great. Uh, yeah, you know, some of it is sugary and and uh, you know overproduced or you know whatever. Uh, like you guys were talking about on the show a couple weeks ago, uh, you know how the music mm-hmm. industry is. But certainly in this day and age, there's so much amazing music, just like comics. Every week, amazing new bands come out, just like amazing new comics come out. If you're looking for it, you can find it. Just put a little effort in, and and like you said, yeah. you know, share with each other what you love and enjoy. And, and music is one of the best things you know humans can do. So that's part of our. That's part of what got us talking about even doing a show and stuff. Um, yeah, was just there's so much good music constantly coming out, but then you also hear people constantly saying, you know, there hasn't been good music in 20 years or whatever. Like they say the same thing about comics, and I'm like, you are not even trying because yeah, literally world class comics come out every day. Or, or yeah, or you're not hanging around the right people. You're hanging. You're stuck in a rut. Now I am also like Ben. I, I I've never been diagnosed, but I do. Like I will listen to the same like you know album or ten songs like until it's like in my very soul. So I have mm-hmm. I have trouble with new music. I, it takes me a while to move on, but when I do, you know, I love you know, and I have some great lifetime friends who just constantly. I I don't even have to try because they're like, listen to this, listen to this. You like this, and uh, it comes pretty easy with my peer group. So yeah, I think yeah, that's I think generational thing. I feel like we were raised in a different way where. You thought when you were a kid that there was going to be like a dozen bands that you're going to listen to for the rest of your life because they were so mm. like, they got you. And then like the uh, the sharing of music and the ability to make it easier, like people didn't have to go to a studio necessarily to make it. Like, or we don't have to buy changed. CDs now and burn them for each other. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, make, you don't have to make merch to actually share your music. I mean, the flip side is that you don't get to be one of those elite few bands that gets to cut through right and gets more attention, but you get to make the stuff. And I think that like that to me, I guess is a better trade-off, you know, than, than I would have, it would have been a bummer if I never got to record the albums I've got to record because I was priced out of it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I would also say though, like as a fan of music, if I had never had the opportunity to perform or take it to a level beyond just, uh, you know, a lover of the, the art, um, there is a bit of a downside to the digital sharing universe, which is communities don't form as organically as they used to. And scenes don't happen in an actual space with actual people as often as they used to, because you don't have to go outside to, to, to hear the music. I literally just had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day where he was saying that he likes to sit and listen to the record and he enjoys that. And I was saying that like, as a musician, I, need a crowd to to take it somewhere yeah like the in-store part the in-store concerts are always really sweet and you don't see those nearly as often um yeah yeah no i think you're right i think you're right there this internet world we live in now it's it has its definitely its ups and it's it's major being able to create like there's a lot of barriers that aren't there now um like that's true and like with even with comics i mean like as soon as i print a comic on my own i was like holy shit like 
This is amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. It is. I amazing. Think, I was and then you find your community that. through that. I've met so many people at conventions from out of town that I met online and come in or go to Heroes in South Carolina and then you know meet or North Carolina and meet with them there. So yeah. there, there is there is a way to find your tribe. But yeah, it, it is different uh, these days. Well, but I mean, that's where I think. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was okay, I was gonna say. say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you then you do it. Jeez, I'll follow you up. I got something to say. I'll wait. Okay, I, I'll make this super super quick. I was just going to say, I think one of the next evolutions, just, you know, let's be honest, comics and music do have a lot in common. Even if, like, I think the fans are the same people. I think the make, the makers of it are the same people. I really think comic conventions and music, they got to they gotta uh, have a marriage. They got to come together. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're in why, the same That's place. why we're doing music comics, you know? We're trying to <clears> throat> throat> I, exactly. I would love to do a music shop with comics in it, you know? Dude, and there's bands based on comic book characters. Like, uh, there's a there's a band here in Canada called uh, the Cybertronic Spree, and they oh, yeah. legitimately have outfits that look like the Transformers, and oh, they play they're Transformers Canadian. songs. They're really good too. This is wild. There's a little band yeah. called Yeah Yeah uh, 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 Soft Cult, Soft Cult, and they did a, a tribute to Uzumaki by Junji Ito. So there is a lot. There's always right. out there, you know. You got right. Go so you're gonna say Dan? Oh Dan. well, I was gonna, I was gonna, you know, circle back to, you know, why we're all here and say that, like, I think the big thing that um, comics and music both share is that, like, you know, a lot of people can potentially consume comics for free and music for free, and and not think of that as anything more than just like a a service that you know that they consume without really having a relationship with the the creator of it. And I'm not saying that like money is a way to have a relationship, but it is a way to keep the things that you like around. And I, I, I always feel like when I like a band or if I like, um, you know, like a, a comic creator, um, and especially if I've already consumed a, a decent amount of their stuff, like online or in some way, I want to find something that I can get of theirs to like not only put one more flag out for them but also to support their work i mean i mean and i'm not just saying that for you know john and i i'm saying that like at large like i we were just at northwest indiana con yesterday and you know i'm sitting there's my buddy uh raffney evans put a book out and i'm like you know i know how much work it w went into this book and i know how much um you know like uh blood sweat and tears goes into any project like these things and you have no idea how you can make somebody's day by just getting even the smallest thing from them. Just to say, hey, I, I support what you're doing. And I, I think what you're doing is cool and I want to see more of it. So, like, you know, that applies to us, of course. But I think that that's a takeaway that music and comics both share is, like, we're at a time where I think it's especially important to find some way to say, like, you know, if I like something, I have to, I have to do it one more step to, like, let people know that I like it so that they might like it too. And I keep that going. Yep. Yeah, like I also think here that on your podcast, sharing, you know, talking to people, having these conversations. We yeah. It doesn't have to be money. It, it means just telling people. Exactly. I also think that like, you know, we live in a time where we, the value of the dollar doesn't, doesn't carry as far, but we can invest in things that we want to see, get, get uh, better and improved. And like one little thing you can do is you can help the creative people in your life because the creative people aren't just good at making comics and music. They're creative minds and they creative minds are designed for solving problems. 
So like you should support the creative people in your life because they end up being um, more than just content creators. Mm-hmm. You know, they we just got they, you through they, the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, at minimum, you know, we didn't destroy um, COVID, but we got you through the through yeah, COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, we uh, not not including me, but like cr- the creative community requires support in the same way that many other things require support. And I don't think I've had I've had trouble with this. I'm not sure if we should expect something uh, from the the social system in terms of support but i think at the very least we should as humans support the arts if we want if we want to enjoy them as much as as we've been privileged to do like this is a wonderful this is an amazing period for creative development like in just in human history the amount of shit we can do yeah we should really try and elevate that and do what we can to help people that are trying to do it yeah so I agree in, in whatever form it takes. I just feel like yeah. it, it also is just about creating the relationship. And again, like I said, I don't think it's yeah. even necessarily about just, just sheer money. It's about the signal boost that you can give something that could use it. Cause you never know what's going to be the next, you know, whatever, you know, and, and that to me isn't even necessarily the goal is to become like the next walking dead or whatever, but it is to mm-hmm. be able to freely create without having to, um, you know, uh, stress about all the, all the stuff that gets in the way of it. You know, sometimes that's part of the journey. Like, I don't think John could have written some of the stuff that he's written without all of same with me, like the obstacles that come along with being a, a, a grown person trying to make it in the world. Like, like in my Beardo series, it's kind of all about the setbacks, right? It's all about like the, the, yeah, what a great, I'm great at segue. Um, <laughs> It's well, it's a lot about like all the adversity that, you know, gets in the way of like what you want to do versus what you have to do. And um, and I've I've come to try to celebrate that. But at the same time, you know, it's it's like I said, like I have a whole I have a whole shelf here of just stuff that is people's work that I love and I want them, you know, to know that I have it. And it just to me, that's that's my little way of saying like, you know, like I saw you, I saw what you did and I liked it yeah totally that's my favorite thing about uh live shows is right after you finish your set and everybody comes up to you and they're like man that was awesome and they tell you exactly what they liked and you're like and you can just i i don't know about you but i make mental notes i'm like check that worked check that worked check that worked go back compare notes with the boys yeah i'm I'm usually too anxious to remember i'm like thank you same thing at the conventions (laughs) i'm like i can't remember people came up and thanked me or you know, it's still it's still very nice to hear. But. <laughs> That's great. I, we're 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 doing a show this Friday at the same place I'm talking about, and we've been, all all winter we've been working on a new batch of songs, and we had this rehearsal earlier, and, and my my buddy Tone uh, was like, maybe we just do one or two of the new ones. I'm like, let's do as many as we can because I want to hear good and bad what they think of it. Like, if they don't yeah. like it, I want to know that too. But like. You know, this that's the place to put it. Like give it up, give it to the people, let the public decide. And and if they don't like it, then we know that we don't have to go record it. (laughs) (laughs) We will know like that was a stinker. Versus like if they if they say like, dude, that was great, then I'm like, that's making the cut. Like that's gonna be part of the set. And that's yeah, exactly. That's the best litmus test you can get for your stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a special feeling when you write a part with your friends 
that you're like when you play it you're like oh man people are gonna love this and then you play it and people start moving and dancing to it and you're like i knew it i yeah. knew it oh yeah oh yeah 100 <laughs> yeah all right well so what let what came oh, first for you music or comics me or john either you go yeah that's right <laughs> um me probably comics um my no one's really musical in my family. My brother ended up also playing drums as well, but we were sort of like the only ones that, um, you know, like we we were the first of I think you know anyone in the Doherty house to or family to to try music um, in a way that I remember at least. I don't know if there's any secret flute players or something, but I think it was just us. But um, but my mom. <laughs> she's an artist uh, she's she was a painter when i was a kid and so like my first memories are drawing and so comics was was definitely like my particular avenue into art um and i've been doing that my whole life i didn't start playing until music until i was like 13 and again it was around the the pearl jam nirvana uh sound garden all that good stuff you know that era it was like everyone picked up a guitar and or drums and tried something that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I was into music, you know, in my <coughs> pre preteen days. But uh, yeah, it was comics. About eleven years old, my grandma took me to a shop by the cleaning company that she worked at uh, was nearby, and got Amazing Spider-Man three thirty two with Venom jumping it nice. right off the cover. And oh, I was hooked yeah. since then. And she would take me. Oh, my mom would take me. run. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's no, that was uh, that was Larson. But yeah, then I went backwards to oh, the. My bad. McFarlane right before it. It was just as they had transitioned. And yeah, that yeah. one grabbed me. And uh, but then you know, shortly after, you know, and I had some music, but then I was about 14 when I started. I picked up a bass and then music really, you know, hit around those those uh those teen years. Yeah. I didn't play start playing drums until I was 15 just because my brother had a set. We had two bass players in our band. We didn't have a drummer. I was like, well, I guess I'll play drums. We I have a drum set, and that was how I started <laughs> playing drums. Just like when I started writing, I was like, well. I don't know, you know, this artist, you want to work with me? Somebody, you know, answered the call, and I was like, I guess I'll be the writer. <laughs> Very cool. What about you, Eric? What, what was it you uh, for you first, comics or music? Um, oh, I've, I've been drawing some sort of comics since I was like seven, so it was definitely comics. I remember drawing some ridiculous stories of superheroes getting swallowed by dinosaurs and getting pooped out because I was seven. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote the sequel last week. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> if you need an artist, let's talk. Something's never changed. <laughs> dinosaurs are coming back. He's been perfecting his dinosaur turds for years. <laughs> I think they call that Jurassic World Dominion. First cut is the deepest. <laughs> wow. What about you, Ben? Was it, was it comics or music or... Oh man, it's kind of both. It's weird because um, my mom was a musician, so like she played in like a folk band in Australia when she was like sixteen, and so she knew how to play guitar. She used to play me like little, you know, nursery rhymes and various other songs, and we always had the record, uh, the record player spinning something while while I was a little kid. Uh, my mom had a killer record collection too. So like, mm -hmm. as I got older, I started learning like, Oh, my mom's actually cool. This is all right. Um, but comics were always there too. Like when I was five, my mom bought me, I don't know if you remember this. This is like a way back 88. Uh, they had these big white boxes 
that were just full of random comics. And it was like $10, $20 to get a box of these. And it was like issue six of stuff. You know what I mean? Like there was no like continuity to the stories or anything like that. But there would be an occasional gem in there. And so like I just devoured those. And oh, uh, then started going to the little local convenience store where they had their little comic uh, shelf. And started picking out Spider-Man. And, yeah. um, and then I actually fell in love with comics when I got into, into university. Uh, and read the Watchmen for the first time, and I was like, "Oh, this is not just a bunch of pictures and bam and boof, you know? Like this is this is a storytelling medium." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's next level yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess music was like my true love, and comics, I've just, you know, developed a a, a strong affection for over the years. Oh sure. Yeah, I mean, even if I stopped making comics, I don't think I'd ever stop reading them. You know, it's just part of my yep. DNA yep. at this point. Um, it's been tough, actually, because I feel like the more I make comics, the harder it is for me to make time to read comics. But I still try to, like, you know, once a month have something like now it's mostly trades. So it's a bigger meal, but it's a longer meal. So I go like, OK, right. what's your what's your meal this month? And I almost force myself to do it so I don't get too stale in my own, you know, my own little world of what I do, because um, it's it can be a a problem not to not to experience other stuff that's outside of your own. You know? For sure, yeah. You know, I think it's it's interesting you mention that because like I'm not an artist. I think I'm the only person here that doesn't draw. Do you draw, John? No. Okay, so maybe you can understand like where I'm coming from. But like, I can get I can scratch the writer itch with a newspaper or a book or a comic, kind of anything that has the written word in it. But uh, when it comes to music, I have to be very picky about what I use for inspiration because uh, if it's just guitar, unless the song, like, if I'm listening for, like, development purposes, it's got to have a strong beat. It's got to have something innovative going on that's going to get me to to think about my instrument a little differently. I, I guess it, it must be the same for you with comics, where it's it's like a, like a challenge and an inspiration and kind of educational in some ways. For John, for for me, or for you, for you as an artist. Oh yeah, I'm. Yeah, like I I I try to look at it from every angle I can. I mean, I've you know for for comics, I've worn all the hats. Um, you know, like writing and drawing and even lettering and all the you know the stuff that doesn't get a lot of credit. Um, yeah. and I'm always trying to find like stuff that's you know. It levels up or changes how I think about comics. Um, I even, so I teach a graphic novel class at a college and, Oh, cool. And it's, it's get, well, it's getting kind of weird now. Cause like I've been teaching on and off for like 10, almost 10 years. And um, you know, things have changed in 10 years. And now some of the students coming in are a lot more sophisticated out the gate than the students that I would mm. see in classes 10 years ago where you know they didn't have access to the same tools and and they didn't come up in the same culture so like i've got students now who are like you know i'm I'm actually trying to play catch up with some of the stuff they're doing because i'm like wait where'd you where'd you find that you know like oh yeah i made it in sketchup and i'm like what (laughs) you know they're like mocking up little rooms and just turning them around and stuff and i'm like well i know how to do that traditionally with these three (laughs) yeah my ruler and um you know, definitely, it definitely humbles you and makes you feel your age a bit, but it also is kind of, 
you know, like I love, I miss being, I think that's one thing the pandemic kind of took away from a lot of us was the ability to be around other creatives for a while. Um, yeah. And so I love when I get those, those chances to be in a room with anyone who's trying to make anything because you just, you'll always learn something. Yep. Yeah, sure. So, uh, favorite comics, everybody here, like in terms of like the ones that, that like you always will pick up an issue if you see an opportunity. Drumsticks of doom. Hell yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Well done. <laughs> I teed that up. You did, did, you did really well. We did it. <laughs> um, uh, my favorite all time, my favorite all time series is sleeper uh, from Wildstorm. Fear Agent is another one, but you know my other favorite long-running series, Hellboy, BPRD. I pick up yeah. most or all of those. Those are the ones of the ongoing. But uh, yeah, there's certainly a ton of uh, other creators I follow a lot. Like I get pretty much everything Jeff Lemire, everything Ed Brubaker, everything Tyler Crook, uh, Sam Keith is my favorite creator of all time. Oh, yeah. I buy everything he does, but yeah, th those are some yeah. that I enjoy. Yeah, my I'm looking over at my shelf here, and it's largely populated by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. I mean, <laughs> I've got like yeah, Cruel, Cruel Summer, um, the uh, the current stuff they're doing with Reckless. Um, it's just unreal. The, they just hit a home run every time. Criminal stuff. Yeah, it's just you know, it's just it, what a team. Like honestly, if anyone deserves a band name, it's those two. Because that's know, what I'm saying. Oh, I yeah, think dude. that might have been where the conversation started with some buddies. Like, yeah, they are a team. Well, they are inseparable. I mean, I know yeah. Blue Baker works with other amazing. You know, he he does amazing. You know, I just work with a world class artist, and that'll make me look better. I'm sure that helps. But yeah, him and Phillips, man, something about them. Something magical. Yeah, I mean, well, and the fact that they've been able to actually work together for so long. Like, I think that's you know, a lot of these creative teams that you, you know, the, the, the classics, right. Like sometimes it actually wasn't a very long period of time that they worked together and then yeah. either because of contracts or just not being able to tolerate each other. Like there's so many reasons why they just don't continue. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I pray that those guys get along for the rest of their lives because I'll yeah. do anything that those two guys make. Um, uh, yeah. A lot of stuff John said, I would agree with, I'd, I'd add maybe, um, as far as other kinds of comics, like I've been a sucker for like Calvin and Hobbes and Bloom. Oh, Calvin and Hobbes is the best. Yeah. That was what got me like to really appreciate comics and storytelling was the very simple like comic strips of the 80s. And they're not simple really, but they just, they, they, they're so, they're so wonderfully crafted that they're so, that they become easy to read, even though they're, you know, yeah. you try doing it. It's really hard to make something that's the same. Yeah. Um, Oh, the Spaceman Spiff stuff. I was always like, how do you condense yeah. this much lore into like a single, you know, like four frames? Like it's wild, man. Yeah. yeah. Or or anytime he was the detective, you know, like and he's like, is it that noir kind of vibe that he was doing? I'm just like, man. And it would be so short, but you're like, I could live in this world forever. Yeah. Um, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Some yeah. of the best. What about you, Eric? Uh, I'm a huge fan of Jeff Smith the bone stuff or razzle yeah. um anything he's done even the shazam book that he put out with dc like I, anytime he comes up with anything i pretty much snag it and it's been like that since like what 93 or whatever like yeah, yeah he's, he's one he just he doesn't do enough but sometimes that's yeah. that's good enough whatever you get right <laughs> well then i end up buying it like four times because he puts it out in color or this one's black and white and hardcover so he's getting my money still <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I got the giant. Uh, I I don't know 
I didn't I get the color. It is everything, but it is like, look at, that's insane. That's everything, yeah. It's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. But it's not color, and I think he did a color version of it. Yeah, there's a color yeah. one. I have the color hardcover. It was like <laughs> I missed it. bucks or whatever, but it's amazing. Yeah. I missed it. It's a little hard to find now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nuts. Um, Bones one that I've never read, but I've never heard anyone be like, eh. They're always like, They're always great, like yeah. yeah, read it. And that's one of those ones where you just know it's going to be there. So, yeah, I, I haven't rushed to read it either. But I know I would love it if I read it. But... Yeah, yeah no, I, I mean, just for the cartooning alone, his storytelling is great. But just the sheer cartooning style and, and like how fluid he is and consistently great he is in it. It, it is really technically just impressive. And and again, like deceptively, um, it's it looks simple, but it's really complex, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of mythology in there, and like he's yeah. he's got a really rich world. Yeah, oh, that's great. And some hilarious characters, and some some scary characters. Like it's he's got a little bit of everything in there. Yeah. Well, and I hate to cut off this lovely conversation, but I think my children yeah. are about to no, come in and murder me. I, uh, I can't believe you no, can't we hear run, We run beyond. <laughs> I have to go see which movie trailers I missed. So <laughs> well, that's true. Well, the Flash already is out there, but you can, yeah. you can find it now. It's, on, it's online. <laughs> Awesome. Sorry, well, everybody. Everybody else missed out on our podcast, so it's their loss. Yeah, yeah. There's oh. <laughs> we'll give up, Dad. Yeah. All right, he's coming back. <laughs> All right, bud. I'll be right there. <laughs> there goes my hat. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, anybody that's watching, get on Kick Kickstarter and look up Drumsticks of Doom. Yep, you get to search on Kickstarter. We're also I'm I'm part time comics. With an X on all social media, Dan, you are what at on social media at Beardo Comics on, Beardo uh, Comics. on uh, Instagram. I'm, I don't even think I'm not even really on Twitter anymore. I, I haven't been for a long time, but at Beardo Comics or look up BeardoComics.com for my website. It's got a whole bunch of stuff on there. Dan and, and I, I are those those amazing creators that don't use their real name, so it makes it you know complicated Super. to find us on the internet. So I'm sure uh, Dan, you're probably doing C2E2, right? John, are yeah. you doing C2E2? I'll be walking around with you, Eric. All right, cool. I'm a, I'm a scrub as usual. <laughs> I gotta stop by and pick up a Beardo book from Dan. So, so only six <laughs> volumes, just a, just a couple. <laughs> right. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. This is a blast. Yeah, Thank thanks. you, and so sorry for all the schedule changes. We appreciate the accommodation. Oh, oh. No. it's all good. <laughs> it's all yeah. worth it in the end. Thanks for talking to us. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> no problem. Take it easy, guys. See you guys. Hey, Peace. you made it through an entire episode. Good for you. If you're looking for more, give the rest of the channel a look. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll catch you fuckers next time. Later. Muxbound.